welcome to Teacher Zion Podcast. So this is Doug Hatton, uh, Teacher in Zion Podcast, and I have with me today Trisha. Trisha, um, I think you're somewhere Arizona or something right now. You're you're traveling, yep. right? All right, yep. and I appreciate appreciate you taking time out from your family and all the goings on and to talk with me today. Um, we've been talking back and forth, you and your husband and me have been talking for a little while now, and I've been wanting to get you on the show. So, um, hey, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. <laughs> um, you're, you are now, a, are you a member of the Utah Latter-day Saint Church at this moment? Yes. Or Yes, okay. I'm currently a member. Um, yeah, I grew up LDS. I I, yeah, it's just kind of true blue Mormon, I guess you can say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, definitely the church has been our life, um, up in, you know, I don't know, 40 something years old and it's been my entire life. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, most LDS people I know are pretty devoted really it's it's a yeah. way of life right it's a whole different yeah. it's a whole culture it's not just a church you go to on sunday right so. it's a culture it's a culture i didn't actually realize that and <laughs> until you know just recently but yeah yeah definitely and i don't and i don't think that's a bad thing either i think that can be a good thing it could be a bad thing. <laughs> it could you know if depending on the circumstance but i think ultimately i mean if you're talking about zion i mean you really want to just you know zion is not about well we go to this church on sunday and that's it other than that we don't really associate i mean we want to be a people right and so that's yeah. a good thing I, I see it as a good thing for the most part or can be um but definitely yeah. can bring some other pressures <laughs> to bear if things aren't the way they need to be but right. so tell me right. a little bit about your family and your your whole upbringing in the church and what it was like because you know i wasn't raised in the lds i was raised in the rlds a little bit different experience okay so i'm just okay. i'm interested in hearing a little bit about that okay so um i was the i'm the oldest of seven children um and our family moved around a lot and you know so the church was a big part of us um just settling in everywhere we went um just the you know, we always had the same, the same church groups to go to and the same youth groups and things like that. And the church helped us a lot when I was growing up. Um, they helped us with, you know, mo our, uh, financially or, um, you know, just with my, you know, siblings and things. Um, um, but then, uh, so I got married in the temple, met my husband um, at BYU, and okay. you know he went on a mission. And I was really, I was still nineteen. I was pretty young, and um, and then we just, you know, his, his career was military, so we started just moving around everywhere. And you know that was, I felt like the church was a huge blessing to us because everywhere we went, we had a group of people like automatically yeah. that we could you know, associate with and just, it was, everyone was welcoming and just, um, your family, instant family. And I didn't have family cause you know, we were moving everywhere. And so the church was really our family. 
Um, yeah. a, a support had... a support system, right? Just yeah, it's kind of an emotional definitely. support system. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. And my my husband, he grew up in the church, but his parents didn't um, go, and so he was pr- practically raised, you know, by the church. Mm-hmm. So it was just our lives. Okay. So, yeah, and then I ended up having seven children as well. My oldest uh, just went on a mission two years, two years. He just got home from his mission about two years ago. And okay. um, my youngest is three. So we've got the whole spectrum there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you, and you never went on a mission no, uh, yourself? No, I didn't. Okay. Nope. Now I get a lot of, now I, I always invite the missionaries in every time they come to the door. I'm always like very welcoming. Yeah. I've seen, I don't know how many pairs I've gone through, uh, but lately it's mostly been uh, women, which is, you know, yeah, there's remember the so first many. time I ever had, yeah. the first time I had two uh, female missionaries come, it shocked me. That was, that was some years ago. I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? You know, but now it's almost like I'm, I see more of them than I do the, the men. I, you know, I thought that was interesting, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did have missionaries in our home all the time. Like when I was a kid and even me and my husband, we would have them over all the time. Just, okay. I really felt like when my son was out on a mission, I wanted him to be taken care of. So I would really mm-hmm. try to take care of all of the missionaries that I could. Yeah. So, so is it common for in, in LDS culture for kids to, do they have their own schools at all or are they homeschooled more often than not? Or they go to public schools generally or is, is it just... I feel like it's um, getting more popular to homeschool, but it's still very common to go to public school. I I mm-hmm. homeschooled my kids, and it's been not normal <laughs> in the groups that we've been in. I okay. there's been a lot of places, you know, we've lived in. We were the only ones homeschooling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it seems to be a very popular option for RLDS or ex RLDS restoration people on our end. It's more and more. Yeah. You know, uh, just yeah. because people are uh, not real keen on some of the things that are happening in public schools and so forth, but yeah, yeah but that, for sure, it can't be easy though. I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> so yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of positives, of course, to the church experience. I had a lot of positives in the RLDS. <laughs> um, there's a lot of good positive things about having a culture, especially in strong support system and all that, and. Mm-hmm. But of course, at some point, I'm guessing um, there were some aspects of at least the religion or doctrines and so forth. There's something uh, probably got your attention uh, initially. Yes, definitely. That made you definitely. question some aspect. Do you want to, what was that? Was that, was that the polygamy so, question or? Well, polygamy has definitely been on my mind, like my whole life. I never felt good about it. I didn't like it. My dad would kind of bring it up and, um, it would just really, it just, it was hurtful almost. And it's like, I didn't understand why I was, you know, hurt by, by the idea of it. It, it, If I knew I didn't have to do that, you know, but it still was. And especially, you know, my siblings too, as my, like my sister, she really, it affected her a lot too. Um, but I just knew, I always just knew that there, there wasn't, um, that I really just didn't like it. So I kind of distanced myself from Joseph Smith. I didn't want to know about him. I didn't really, I just ignored it. And I, 
like, and when I went to seminary as a kid, DNC, I was just like, I don't want to learn about the DNC. I don't want to read it. I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I pretty much stopped going at that, Mm. that year. Okay. Yeah. And of course in the RLDS, we were always raised in our tradition that what Joseph Smith had nothing to do with polygamy and all that. And bring him young, blame it. And so, you know, I was raised in a different culture, so we didn't have that stigma attached. But, you know, just as a disclaimer, I mean, officially the church, <laughs> LDS, officially yeah. does not endorse the practice of polygamy. Right. But it is in your doctrine, right? right. Written in one of your books of Revelation yeah. and and has been assigned the authorship of Joseph Smith, supposedly. Um, and so I can only imagine this because I'm, I was raised in very conservative part of the restoration RLDS culture. And one of the reasons why we came out of RLDS is because of that. And I guess you could call us the fundamentalists. Fundamentalist has a very different connotation in LDS culture. It tends to be polygamous. And I, and I realized that makes sense because I realized what it is, is a fundamentalist is someone who says, well, we, we don't care what men say, we're going to go by the scriptures and that's the right way of doing it. Right. And so if in your scriptures you have polygamy and saying that God has chosen this for his people, why are we not doing it? So I got to wonder, is that why you would hear about it is because people would speculate share opinions about whether we should or shouldn't, or ultimately we should go back to it or something like that, or? I mean, it's what? in the culture, like it comes up in seminary, because everybody wants to know about it. So the kids talk about it, they ask questions, and it's, I think it's an assigned topic that, that like they have to, they have their spiel, what they have to say about it. And so hmm. it's definitely there. Um, okay. And then especially because of the temple, because when you go to the temple, it, you're always worried that if you pass away, then your husband will marry another woman and then you'll be sealed to him and to her at the same time. Oh, so, and so in eternity, you might be yes. in a polygamous relationship, whether you were on earth or not. Yes. Hmm. And so okay. that's a fear for a lot of young women. They're like, I don't want that. And and then the men, you know, they're like, well, I get to have more than one wife when, when I'm in heaven. You know, they that's kind of a thing. Like my daughter in college was in a religion class um, last year and they were talking about this and the boys are just like you know they use it they just oh yeah this is gonna you know this is great this is what we get to look forward to and the girls are just like oh my goodness you know (laughs) so i mean we laugh we laugh but also i know this is there's a very painful aspect to just even the idea of this yeah i mean how does it make you feel just the idea of that Um, before you knew whether it was of god or not yeah. So I saw my, my friend post about it the other, you know, a few years ago and she had a book that she read and it was something like, I think it was called the ghost of polygamy okay. or of eternal polygamy or something like that. And I was like, I never read the book because I felt like I couldn't, it wasn't church approved, you know, and I didn't know if I was going into, you know, iffy territory. So I just didn't read it. But that book sat on my desk and I just looked at the title and I was like, it is so true. Just that title, the ghost of eternal polygamy, like it is constantly in the back of your mind. It it makes you yeah. feel like you're not important, like you're not special. You're not, um, it takes away from the relationship that you have. 
And even if it, like my husband, you know, we talked about it and I probably would have never married somebody who even considered that because it was so touchy for me. Um, so I just, you know, he was, he was fine. And even though I knew he was fine, it still affected me. That's a good title because it, it is, I guess it's haunting you. The doctrine is haunting you. (laughs) And, and I, you know, I guess looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty. but you got to wonder if it's something from the Lord, then should it not bring peace and comfort and joy when you meditate on it? And yet there it is just yeah. haunting you. It's, it's frightening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of a sign, I guess. Here's your sign. Yeah. <laughs> Lord would, yeah. <laughs> oh. Speaking of signs, I had some, so since I feel like since it was such a big deal, for me, God was showing me and it took a few years, but he was showing me like, I'm not okay with this. So I don't know Mm. if you've seen like the sister wives show on TV. I watched that from beginning to end because I wanted to know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, actually one of the girls in that, one of the wives I was friends with in, um, when I was 12, um, in church, Mm. she was part of our church. And, um, I don't think, I don't even know if she remembers me, but, um, it just caught my attention. And so, and then one of the other wives lived in one of the houses that my grandma ended up living in, in Bountiful. And so I just Mm. had all these little connections. And so I was just like, okay, I want to, I'm going to watch this show and see, like, I was just fascinated, like not in a, like, I want this kind of way, but like, how come you want this? Like, how can you think Mm -hmm. this is right? And so, I mean, they just had their last, one of their last seasons. And I think the whole family is like (laughs) broken up and he's with one, the last wife and everyone else has left. And it's crazy. That's that's what I, that's what I heard. My, my wife was fascinated by it. We were watching it for a while. Uh, I don't think we've seen the last two, two seasons or whatever, but yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Is uh, it's it's an interesting thing, even for people who completely think that's a horrible thing. But it's people mm-hmm. are intrigued. They have to watch yeah. it because it's so, it's so, so unique. It's a completely yeah. different idea. This not yeah. something that normal Americans would ever even imagine or think about. So to see something like that on TV, it's got to be yeah. interesting. For yeah. me, <clears throat> I would I kept t- turning to my wife and saying that guy is a scoundrel. Mm-hmm. I kept telling her, this is all about, I said, all of this, you know, she was like, well, you know, at least they got this support system. The women, they got these nice, re- I said, yeah, but this guy is on an ego trip. This is nothing mm-hmm. but an ego trip. As a man, I'm going, this is some huge ego trip of his. And, you know, and also I knew he was doomed because all these women, <laughs> they're going to gang up on him eventually, gonna, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which kind of happened, but. I think you said at the end, like, I don't believe in polygamy anymore. Or, like, I'm not doing yeah. this anymore or something like that. But it, it also fast. No, no. And I saw, like, the FLDS, too. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, because they had the show the, of the Warren Jeffs and all that. Um, yeah. And so I was watching when all that happened, when they came in and, you know, took the kids and all of that. Yeah. It was going down on the news. Um, I was just thinking if they knew that Joseph Smith was not the founder of this, they would be set free. And I, it breaks my heart because I just look at them and they're not happy and there's so much abuse. And like, I just want, that was my mission. I'm like, I just want to share like what I know about Joseph Smith because Mm -hmm. I feel like it would set so many people free. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and so you, you kind of let the cat out of the bag here. You definitely came to the point <laughs> where you yeah. knew it wasn't just a gut feeling or an easiness about it or the fact you just didn't like it because, you know, yeah. we could all say, well, we, we don't like something because we just don't understand it or whatever. Yeah. But you came yeah. to an actual point where you realized this this is not from the Lord. Uh, right. Tell me how you came to that. What was yeah, that I journey guess I did like? uh, jump forward. Sorry. Um, no, so I... <laughs> Well, you know, I had another experience where I was at a home show with my dad and there was a, a guy um, selling meat from his farm and his wife was right there with all their kids. And um, I was just by myself and he, you know, I'm married and have six kids at this point, but he didn't know that because I was just with my dad and he was basically asking me to be one of his wives right in front of his other wife. And I was thinking, this is I was, I was wondering if they were all that way. Like, I was just wondering, is that, are they always just looking for the next girl, you know? And then that experience happened and I was like, well, that was an answer, you know? And yeah, I so. mean, as, as, as a guy, I'm just going to admit, cause I'm going to, on behalf of all men, I'm going to rat us out. And I'm, <laughs> and I know what men are like. I mean, I, I know the natural man, you know, and I, you know, that, he's not sitting there and the Holy spirit is directing him like, this is your next wife. Yeah. Here's what I want for you. Here's what I God want for you. That didn't happen yeah. because the no. Holy spirit knew that you were married. Right. So what it's all about is lust. I mean, that is a lust yeah. response. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not going to say all people are that way, but I'm saying that clearly is, he's just looking for, you know, I'm getting bored of the other ones. So I need a new excitement in my life. This is a very, I mean, polygamy is just like some sort of wild fantasy of men's. It's gotten yeah. way out of control in my in my estimation. Mm -hmm. But here yeah. it is, a part of a part of our religion. It's a part of the religion that got in there, and so this yeah. is a very serious matter. It's not just you know some fringe group. It's it's actually yeah. uh, you know a part of built into the history of the church. So we have to deal with that on some level, right? So, so I just I my cousin was um, well. I didn't actually start asking the hard, hard questions. I just kept, you know, pushing them off, pushing them off until it was when, um, I don't know if I could say the word on the move on the COVID happened. I don't know. Is that going to yeah. get you shut down? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, there was a, okay. Something happened in 2020. <laughs> the church 2020. Yeah. yeah. And, um, like everything just shut down and I just, uh, was not okay with the church's response to this. And mm -hmm. it just felt, um, felt so wrong to me and it just, everything in me, I mean, we were going along with the come follow me and reading, you know, with the come follow me. And at this point, I think Joseph Smith had just been, um, uh, chastised by the Lord in the DNC where we were reading. And then president Nelson yeah. came out and said, be a good global citizen by, you know, do your part. Everybody needs to get the, the thing. And so yeah. I knew for me that that wasn't for like my family, that was not what we were supposed to do. And I knew that. And I felt so strongly that he was going to come out and apologize. I thought he was going to say, okay, I'm wrong. Cause mm -hmm. like, that just happened with Joseph Smith and that's, you know, he's, he had to apologize mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah. And in our, so I just thought, okay, well, he's going to apologize. He's going to take it back. And I just waited and it didn't happen. And I was like, 
there is something so wrong. And I just felt, I just felt, okay, I need to start asking questions. And now it just freed me up. Like I just felt free all of a sudden to just ask all the questions that I've had sitting on my shelf. You know, we talk about the shelf. We all have a shelf in, in the LDS. We all have a shelf that has stuff on it. <laughs> and so I just thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get to the bottom of all these things. I don't want them sitting on my shelf. I want to know. And I don't know why I didn't feel like I could ask before, you know, any of those things. I wanted to know if he was a true prophet. President Nelson was a true prophet. I wanted to know um, if Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. All of a sudden, I was like, I just want to know this. And um, yeah. my cousin had po posted something on Facebook about uh, prophet can cannot lead you astray is false doctrine. And because um, everyone was saying, prophet cannot lead you astray. Do everything he says, you know. And I was like, that doesn't sound right to me either. And then he quoted um, Joseph Smith quoting Ezekiel saying, I even have the quote. Um, do you want me to read it? Or sure. it was, yeah. okay, I have that. Cause it was a, I mean, it was a turning point for me. It was like, um, well, see, and of course, okay. Okay. Um, it was the president Joseph Smith read the 14th chapter of Ezekiel said, um, the Lord had declared the prophet that the people should each one stand for himself and depend on no man or men in that state of corruption of the Jewish church, that righteous persons could only deliver their own souls, applied it to the present state of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, and said, if the people departed from the Lord, they must fall. Um, and they were depending on that they were depending on the prophet, hence were darkened in their minds in consequence of neglecting the duties devolved devolving upon themselves envious towards the innocent while they afflict the virtuous within with their shafts of envy and that was horribly horribly inconvenient when joseph smith is saying uh inconvenient things like that <laughs> right right i mean so i yeah i texted that's, that's counterculture isn't it that's that's right. counterculture to lds culture isn't it i mean would you say really questioning is that, that really yeah. I mean, it, it's like I didn't at that point, I didn't think sharing the words of Joseph Smith was going to get me in trouble or yeah. I thought that I thought Joseph Smith was the foundation, right, of our religion. So I I just texted everybody in my family. I'm like, "Guys, look, you don't have to do this because you can pray for, and ask for yourself and um if you, you know, here's the words of Joseph Smith basically." And I um people stopped talking to me and they're like, mm. you're wrong. And I was like, wait a minute. And then it, it was really, it was really hard. I was like, that was the first point where, um, I felt like, like we had been studying up, up into that point together about like the signs of the times and all of these things. We were just on this journey of just fine, you know, learning and moving forward in the gospel. And then all of a sudden it was like breaks were put on it and they were like, we can't study with you anymore. We can't listen to what you have to say anymore over that. Is it something like this? Uh, they will say questioning is encouraged. It, you know, we encourage you to ask questions and to think for yourself. You are allowed yeah. to question up to a certain point. And I'm, I'm guessing the line is the line, the invisible line that's drawn there is don't 
whatever it is, even if it's Joseph Smith himself, even if it's the scriptures that you're quoting, mm-hmm. if it's if that's bringing into question what the church's current stance is on whatever, that's mm-hmm. the no-no, would you yep. say? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I have so many, so many stories <laughs> that I can tell. I mean, my, um, my friends were during this time, I mean, they were going to church. Well, they actually were very discouraged from going to church because they felt like they couldn't wear a mask. Like they did not believe in it. So they were not going to wear a mask. So, um, you know, we've kind of ended up in that same mindset too. We just, I was just like, didn't want anything to do with any of the, the agenda, but I, you know, they, it, where we were at that time in Oregon and Washington, um, if you were going to church and not wearing a mask, people were calling the police on you and you would be wow. removed. And so it was very much, you have to do all of what we're saying or you're not following the prophet. And, um, I have a friend who got up in sacrament meeting and said, you know, they ended up not going for a while, but once they, once it calmed down a little bit at the end there, he, he went and, um, he bore his testimony and he just said, I don't want to be a good global citizen. And he, he read a bunch of scriptures and he, you know, and he, he said, I want to be a follower of Christ, you know, and that's what he, Mm. you know, he was just really trying to point out that we should be following Christ. And he, um, he got disfellowshipped from that, from that one thing, just his testimony in sacrament meeting. He got disfellowshipped. He wasn't able to make comments in Sunday school. He wasn't able to um, hold a calling anymore. And he, he then was being disciplined by the church and they had to meet with him every month. And it was like, he was a problem now to, and they had to keep him at arm's length and not let him, Mm. not let him say anything. And it was not, I mean, so many of us were feeling this way. And so it was like, I don't know. It was shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I know, you know, I know the pandemic and, uh, response to pandemic was a major factor for a lot of people, um, Mm -hmm. that I I realized for me, it's not a, it's not, it's kind of a non-issue for me. I don't, for me, I just, I, I'm into personal liberty and everyone being informed and making the decision for themselves. But what I notice is that God uses various things to bring about, a questioning in my in people's minds and he'll use mm-hmm. whatever it is he can use obviously he used this as a very big part of awakening lds to question their leadership for me a red flag is when you said be a good global citizen mm-hmm. because that's kind of a frightening thing for, for me for a, a christian right. church to say because are we are we about the ways of Christ and the ways of God, or are we going about the ways of the world? Because eventually, these two are, well, they already did, but it's only going to get worse. These two are partying. These are two different paths, you know? So eventually, to mm-hmm. be a good global citizen, you're going to you're gonna take the mark of the beast. So how far is the church going right. to go down this path, you know? Right. I think is... What I was seeing, that it was like, aren't we supposed to stand away from the world and be peculiar people and yeah. not follow the the world? That was definitely um, something that was going on in my mind. You're, you're questioning the leadership at this point. You're questioning all the way up mm-hmm. to the president, prophet, 
of the church in, yeah. in a lot of ways. You're that because he's leading this effort, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the questions I one of the questions I had for uh, a couple of uh, missionaries that came to my house is I, I said I don't, I'm not trying to beat you up or give you a, a you know put you in a corner or something. I just have an honest question and I'm like go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I just said, did your prophet predict and let you know ahead of time that the pandemic was coming and how to prepare for it? And they said no. You know, and it, it's for me, mm-hmm. the scriptures are really plain. It says, surely the Lord will do nothing except that he reveals it to his prophets, you know. Right, and I, right. And I'm just always curious about that. And I, I, I wonder then, as you're looking at the present prophet of the church, you're not seeing someone, he, his policies are seem to be based on what... He, information he's getting from a world perspective on what needs to be done, which is not necessarily a terrible thing for an organization or let's say a corporation or whatever. But if you're a faith-based organization and you're a prophet, supposedly, I guess what I would be looking for is what did, what was the word of the Lord to you? What did he say mm-hmm. about this? Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's, that's something that was part of my journey because I, we ended up being able to have the opportunity to live in president Iring's ward for uh, about four, almost four years. And, um, I knew that I was there, like my husband, I just knew that we were there to learn something. We just knew we, you know, and I thought, Oh, we're in president Iring's ward. Like, you know, it was just, uh, awesome. We get to be in one of the, you know, one of their, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> prestigious and yes yes um and so people would ask us like is he even there does he even go to that you know and he was there most of the time and he would get up and bear his testimony and things but one thing that i really remember from from that time when we lived there that stood out to me was that he said that he has never seen christ hmm. and i was like wait a minute <laughs> because isn't that your job isn't that what you you say, say that, you know, that's your position that you get to see him and you get to be taught by him. And then you come and tell all of us, Mm. you know, that's kind of the idea that we all have. A lot of people have that, you know, they walk and talk with Christ and they get to see him and be taught by him and all this stuff. And so when he said he has never seen him, I was like, Mm. wait, like that just really took me back. It was, yeah. Yeah. That's it kind of, it kind of unveils something. A bigger yeah. issue. I, I saw that in church history, going all the way back to Joseph and the original elders of the church when they picked twelve apostles for the church. But what was really interesting is when they went and ordained them. You think, okay, all done. We've ordained them apostles. They've got authority or whatever. But what really stood out to me is Oliver Cowdery, right after the ordinations, prophesied to the twelve, and he said, "You are not yet apostles." Yeah. You must seek God to see his face, see God face mm-hmm. to face, come face to face with Christ, and you must seek it with everything you have. And until you have that encounter with him, you are not truly an apostle. And I was yeah. like, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just, the truth, truth of it just flooded me. And yeah. then I looked at our own apostles in the church. And I'm thinking, 
And I started studying what apostles were, and it says they're in a special witness. And I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. I started inquiring with the Lord. I started look, reading articles. Well, it turns out why they were special witnesses was because they had had a face-to-face encounter with the resurrected Christ, and therefore they could testify that they had literally seen him. Where is that idea gone <laughs> in the modern age of the church? You know, I mean, now it's about yeah. whether you're a good corporate person, whether you make a lot of money, whether you have a prestigious title or right. whatever it is, it seems like influence. But That's the pattern. I mean, that's if you look at it, that's really what it is. And I didn't actually know that that was that they were supposed like what you mentioned um, just now. I that's like something I came on later during my studies. And I was like, well, that just confirmed what I thought, you know, he, that he was actually supposed to have been, you know, having this communication with Christ directly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the pandemic, uh, the response from the church, that was a big thing. RLDS, it was, uh, the church suddenly said it was going to be, we're going to have women in the priesthood. Everyone thought that our oh, prophet yeah. was going to repent of that. You know, and he never did. And so we always think at first you're you're just like, well, we're in the one true church. That's a problem. When you're in the one true church to the exclusion of all others, if something goes awry, then God obviously will have to fix this, right? And so for a while you're clinging on to it going, okay, well, certainly he's going to be chastised or he'll repent or he'll say he was wrong. You know, the Lord told him something and yet that day never came, you know, and and then what? (laughs) What do you do at that point when you're in the one true church, but it's not on the path you believe is right? Yeah. Right. And then I think, I think God put me in different places in my life in different. I mean, we moved so many times. I was living in North Dakota and I was in this homeschool group with a bunch of people that none of them were Mormon. They were like Catholic and Baptist and I don't even know hmm. the other religions, but but I was shocked because I didn't have that exposure really to other people yeah. in other religions until I was there and I was associating closely with them. And I was like, they're better than us. Like they were such good people. I mean, Mormons are, you know, I'm are all, all over the scale too, but I mean, they were so good. And I felt like I was raised to think that Mormons were the best people, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. We're the one true religion, you know, the one true church. Absolutely. And so it was definitely eye-opening. Yeah, it's a shocker. I mean, and I, I hate to say this, but, uh, you know, even cults, that happens in cults where people are taught that they're the the exclusive people, the only chosen people. And then mm-hmm. over time, after you've been fed that life for long enough and you see, you know, you're in with any organization or with a group of people, you see all the problems they have. And then you suddenly go outside of that group and you meet with other people that supposedly are all wrong. They're all wrong. They don't have authority. Uh, They're not really got, they're in a lower glory, whatever the language we use, but it can be a shock to find out some of those people are, have a very strong relationship with the Lord. Some of them mm-hmm. a deeper relationship than than people that are ministers in our own church. This is the experience I had. Yeah, no, I, I it was I a wake up call. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that for sure. And so I was able to look back on that and think, you know, when I'm going through this, and you know, 
and you mentioned the one true church i came across and i feel like i have never read the book of mormon at this point i'm like i'm you know <laughs> i mean do we really though i haven't i don't know that a lot of people have studied and i really didn't study the scriptures like i should have up to the, this yeah. point because i felt yeah. like I, you know, the leaders tell us everything we need to know. And we go to sure. our classes and we do everything. We do all the service sure. and we do all the things. And um, I read that in First uh, Nephi 14, 10, I think it is, um, that there are only two churches. And, and, and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and what does it mean? Well, and here's the thing. When you find spirit-led people, when you run into mm -hmm. spirit-led people who are not in the church, and there's only two churches, and one of them is the church of the devil. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? Because you know this person isn't in the church of the devil, right? I exactly. mean, they're not of the devil. They've got the Holy exactly. Spirit. So what do you what do you do with that? Right. It was so confusing to me because I'm like, if we are the only true church and they're such good people, you know, I remember sitting in a Relief Society lesson and this was, you know, by the time I was, I was learning a lot and, um, just really, my eyes had been really opened at this point. And it was like, they were just saying how sorry they felt for everyone else that like they were naming all these people that they knew because they weren't members of the church, but they were such good people but they weren't members of the church. So they were yeah. so sad about them. And I was thinking about that. Like, I don't think, Oh, it just was so hard to, I don't know, listen to that, that particular lesson. And it made me just really realize the truth of that, of first Nephi 14. There are only two churches. Yeah, churches. you're gonna get into you're gonna get into trouble when you actually read the Book of Mormon, and yes, especially if you're inclined to be taught from the Lord, mm -hmm. and you read the Book mm -hmm. of Mormon. That it seems like that is a uh, that is a touchstone for not just LDS for all the RLDS and other. Uh, restoration people that when they really dig in their Book of Mormon, they start realizing something's not right. It seems to be right. a common theme. And, you know, that is the book, the one and only record. There's no other record that the Lord gave us that he said, I'm bringing this forward to correct your stumbling and to fix all your doctrines and to take care of things. This will help you. Right. I remember President Monson when he was like on his deathbed and he was the last few times that he would talk to us in general conference and he would say, um, just read the book of Mormon, just read the book of Mormon. And I'm like, we always wow. are told to read the book of Mormon and everybody reads the book of Mormon, but like, what is he saying? And, and it actually going back, thinking back, I'm like, he was warning us. Like he knows, I think he knew and he was on his deathbed and he was, in my opinion, trying to say, if you read the Book of Mormon, you'll understand what's going wrong in the church. Like, you'll get it. Um, yeah, so. and that kind of spawned a, it kind of spawned a movement. I mean, I'm not, whether he, he didn't really start necessarily, but maybe that was one of the many seeds that got planted. But this doctrine of Christ, there's kind of a doctrine of Christ movement. Yeah. Um, there's mm -hmm. many different movements in there, but, but I noticed there's a common theme among them all. And that is that reading the book of Mormon, they find out that Jesus has this really simple and plain doctrine. 
Yeah. Was that something that really, was that part of your journey kind of? Yeah. Like I, um, well, I found, I didn't actually understand, like I said, I hadn't studied the Book of Mormon, like, like I should have. Um, and so I decided that I was going to study the Book of Mormon and read it for the first time without any, like, I didn't read the subtitles. I didn't read, um, and I didn't want to read it. I didn't want to have anybody like telling me or interpreting it for me. I just pretended like I didn't know anything. And then I read it. Um, and the doctrine of Christ I found in, um, second Nephi was second Nephi 31 was so powerful. And then third Nephi nine through 12, you know, specifically chapter 11, um, and speaking about anything more or less than this is not of me. And talking about the baptism, baptism of fire and the Holy ghost. And, um, and then seeking to be taught by Christ himself. And I was like, and anything more or less than that is not of him. And I was thinking about the temple ordinances and how they're pushed down our throats. Like you have to do this or you can't be saved. But, in the Book of Mormon, it says, anything more or less than this is not of me. And I guess if you grow up in the church, what you would, would, what you would say to that, that would, your response would be, well, there's continuing revelation is the, you know, that's what they say is like, they get continuing revelation. And so that's how they add to it. But then when you realize that this is actually Christ talking yeah. in the Book of Mormon, that, yeah. that he's telling us himself that there is nothing more than that that is of him then it just then then you yeah if you really realize that then you um then it's 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 very what's the word um not more than shocking like debilitating you're like (laughs) uh, what like it's it hits hit me with a ton of bricks i think jesus i mean he must have known what he was doing right there. I mean, of course he did, but you just, I know he, he put a hammer at the end of what he said there. He, when he, when he relates his doctrine, he just puts the hammer down. And I realized like what can survive this? Everything mm-hmm. that could possibly shaken will be shaken. I mean, anything, I mean, how do you survive that when he says, this is my doctrine. It's the only doctrine in me. And anyone who tries to add anything to this and call it my doctrine and my goodness we got a whole third book that's called doctrine and covenants and right. it claims to be his doctrine and it's things that are in the, what do you do i mean right. you know that yeah. was a revolution i guess for me mm-hmm. um yeah yeah well, I, I believe in ongoing revelation absolutely yeah. but we don't add to the doctrine mm-hmm. of christ and i think that's where right. people are waking up and realizing this can't be right Right. And it's awesome when you're on your own journey and you're like, okay, I'm going to just ask the Lord myself. I'm going to read the scriptures myself. And then you get your own answers. And then you're finding that other people are getting the exact same answers. It's like a confirmation that you're on the, you know, it's like, I did that by myself and they did that by themselves. And we're in the same place. And it's a miracle. Now we're on the, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I mean, this is scriptural, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a move of God. I, I just, it's unbelievable to me just how mm-hmm. many people are being moved by his spirit independently. They, and the funny thing is 
you know, I'm doing this podcast, but I don't generally get people write me and say, I've never considered any of this before, but now mm-hmm. I think I believe what you're saying. Right. No, it's it's people who said, I, the Lord had already been leading me to this. I had come to these conclusions, but I thought I was by myself. I was on my own. And mm-hmm. then I hear someone voicing the very things that the Spirit's been showing me. So, yeah, definitely it's a move of God. I can't take credit. You can't take credit. None of us can right. take credit. And there's a right. lot of people out there. I know you you had seen a number of videos and other you know people that are questioning various aspects yeah, and beliefs yes. and things like that. So like, um, I really, really liked Rob Fotheringham's videos because to me, he was a very credible person because he's working in the church as a historian. And then he's, he, you know, I watched an interview with him and he said that he had asked the general authorities, like, can I share what I'm finding? Like, this is, you know, I'm finding that Joseph Smith was not a polygamist and, 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 you know, and he's like, you know, that he got permission basically. And they're like, yeah, just go ahead and do what you're doing. And and he's like, okay, you know? And so he <laughs> basically set up these um, slideshows for his wife because he wanted to share with her. And, um, and then he's, you know, put them out so we could all benefit from that. But there's so much information. And I never knew growing up in the church that Joseph Smith taught against polygamy. I never knew that. They don't tell you that. It's not it's not available. Yeah. Um, the Joseph Smith papers were very eye-opening because you can yeah. go in and see for yourself. Anybody can just go in there and look at the documents and see for yourself. Like um, I I have the one uh, couple pages where, you know, you can see it just um, edited out, you know, Joseph Smith saying that it's, you know, polygamy is not okay. Marriage is between one man and one woman. And then it's crossed out mm-hmm. and then except in this case, edited in, you know, yeah. so it's like, wait a minute, changing, changing the revelations. It's changing, <laughs> changing the word. Yes. And like Whitney, um, Horning was one of the ones that I really, she, she did some videos and she wrote a book. Um, okay. The name of the book is, um, a faithful telling of Joseph Smith. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. and that one is really good. Um, also the exoneration of Emma, Joseph and Hiram. I mean, I just could not get enough of material. I just, I really wanted to, um, know everything and I feel bad for my kids. I'm like, um, sorry kids, we are uh, studying this today. And I'm just like, you know, I'm going every day all, all day long. I just want to study, 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 and find all the answers that I can and just anything, throw it at me. Like I was all of a sudden open to, um, resources, you know, and I wasn't looking at anti-Mormon stuff. I, you know, I just wanted to look at true truth, actual documents, actual people with their, um, their experience. Um, like Denver Snuffers 10 talks was really helpful for me. I, that was like, I think that was the turning point for me when I listened to all those, I was like, wow, like there was just, I had the conviction after that. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is true. That's true. You know what he says in those 10 talks. And so, um, I, I mean, there's just so many, (laughs) um, the Joseph Smith who killed the Joseph Smith, who killed Joseph Smith, um, by the Griffins. That that, that was a good one. Wow. That was, yeah. 
I'd had an experience. I'm sorry. I had an experience a, no, a lot of years ago. I'm older than some people probably think. It was a long time ago, <laughs> but I was. Uh, I can't remember what I what was what the pretext of it was, but I remember that. Um, I think it was when I was reading about the Gannington robbers in the Book of Mormon, and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit whispered something to me about that Joseph Smith was killed as a result of of conspiracy. There was a conspiracy. And I remember the word conspiracy. That was what caused him to be murdered. And I thought, well, I thought he was just killed by a mob. And the Lord never said anything else. It was just for years. And I just had this conviction. There was some sort of conspiracy. And I said, I think it has something to do with the church, but I don't know what. And they're like, well, I don't know how that could be. And when I saw that film, it really opened my eyes. And I was like, oh, okay, there's the answer. (laughs) I mean, I would have never imagined. But uh, it kind of makes sense. A lot yeah. of these people are, are they did did they the the historian did he get put out of the church? I don't think so, but he has okay. had to take his videos down, and I don't know okay. why he did. But um, you can still watch them at Hemlock Knots, which is another great site that I didn't mention. Um, it yes. has just awesome unbiased. Yeah, I love Hemlock Knots. Um, so I mean, there's just so many places to find truth, and the places mm. that I'm talking about are not like. Um, you know, bashing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they're not um, yeah. Mormon hating, bashing. Yeah, anti-Mormon not an stuff. anti. Not no. an anti-Mormon. Yeah, that's right, got a lot right. of garbage out there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, these are good people. They believe the gospel. They believe the restored gospel that uh, the fullness right. and the Book of Mormon and all that. But yeah, these I are a lot of good say, sources. Yeah, I guess you could say like truth seekers. Like that's really yeah. the label. I feel like is like. Everyone that's really just wanting the truth. So do you know very many people that have suffered, uh, maybe been removed out of the church and as a result of asking questions or coming to certain conclusions? Yes. So, so my cousin that I mentioned earlier, who, um, posted about, about, you know, the prophet can't lead you astray. He also posted, um, on Facebook about polygamy um, not being from God. And he was a bishop and, um, he had been, you know, he had been, um, you know, follow the prophet, follow the prophet. And he had felt like he, um, he felt like he needed to kind of correct that. So anyway, he wrote a blog and he has some videos and he's done a lot of, you know, stuff like that. And, um, so he's been excommunicated because of, because of okay. all, because of that. I think he, he was told to take his blog down or something and he did, he didn't. And so that's why he had, you know, but the thing that I want to share about that is like, I, we ended up moving up there next to their family and we were in, um, we were in a, a ward, a different ward where the stake president was the one that excommunicated him. And he actually was my daughter's orthodontist. And he said, I was just asking him about, about it. And he said, yeah, um, your cousin, he's the salt of the earth. Their family is just so good. And, and we just love them. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, he, he, he had nothing bad to say about him and like only the best things. And, but then I don't understand why would you excommunicate somebody that is such a good person or such a good, you know, 
that loves Christ and is only trying to bring people to Christ. And that's the story that I'm seeing time and time again, is people that are wow. just want, want the truth. Um, <clears throat> they just want the truth and they are being shunned because they because they're asking questions and he, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't, um, tell me one, one reason. And, and I guess the reason that he gave him was because he was making the church look bad. So it's all about image. My, my son was kicked out of seminary because he, um, raised the question that Joseph Smith wasn't a polygamist. And, um, that was really hard on him. He was 16 and the whole class wow. was like booing him and the teacher included. It was just not a good, um, I mean, it was just, it was, wow. they were bullying him in class. And so he ended up stopped going there. Going back to my, my cousin, um, it's kind of affected me and my family too, because my, you know, we didn't, they kind of have this stigma, like don't talk to them. They don't have the spirit anymore because you're excommunicated and, um, they are going on a dark path and, you know, everyone's kind of afraid of them. It's like a disease almost, you know? Mm -hmm. And so our family is being associated with, um, with that because we're kind of like, you know, we're seeking truth and we're on the same path. I mean, we just, we are. Yeah. The shunning that is such a, mm -hmm. that's an awful thing to go through. And then especially for one of your children to have to, to go through that, it's very hard. You know, that there is a scripture where the Lord said, when you are persecuted or reviled or mocked and stuff, he says, rejoice for so they treated the prophets, you know, but, uh, that's a tough one. It took me a lot of years to learn how to begin to rejoice and, and be okay with that. Boy, for a young man, 16 years old, to, to go through that and to have your, your peers, you know, to laugh at you or to, uh, that's a tough one. I, I can't imagine as a mother what that's like. This concludes the first half of my interview with Tricia. And I hope you'll join us for the second half, which will drop next Friday. And until then, God bless. God bless.